Welcome to the Truth and Godliness Podcast, where we seek to be a voice for sound doctrine and biblical Christianity. Here is your host, Pastor Brian Evans of 5.7 Community Church in Detroit, Michigan. Well, hello and God bless you. And thank you for tuning in again to the Truth and Godliness podcast with your host, Pastor Brian Evans. I have begun a, uh, a new short series of episodes on the issue of marriage. And I titled the last episode, Why Christian Marriages Are Struggling and How Can Christian Marriages Improve? And I was led to tackle this subject because I have been noticing um, that more and more in the last few years, marriage is becoming increasingly more difficult for Christian people. Now, again, on the one hand, it's normal that marriage be difficult. It's normal that there be struggles and challenges within marriage, even for Christian people. Because even though we are saved and we've been renewed by the Spirit, we still struggle with sin. And marriage, being the type of relationship that it is, it is the most intimate and the most personal relationship there is. And when you take two people and bring them together to do every aspect of life together on such an intimate and personal level, there's going to be there's going to be friction as two people, as two sinners are, are, are trying to live life together on such an intimate level. We still struggle with pride. We still struggle with selfishness. And that pride and that selfishness is going to rear its ugly head in the marriage relationship quite often. And so it doesn't matter how good of a Christian you are, you're going to have challenges in your marriage. It, and that's that's natural. However, I'm not referring here to just the natural challenges that we all face in marriage, but I'm talking about real instances where there seems to be a complete breakdown within the relationship, where there's a lack of communication, where there's constant strife and conflict, where there seems to be no love and intimacy, and where there's even... Um, uh, serious consideration of divorce. Um, brothers and sisters, this is not um, what God wills for the marriages of his people. And so how do we address that? Again, the way to address that is as the way Christians address every issue and every challenge, and that is by the word of God. Once again, as I said in the in the last episode, marriage is God's institution. God is the one who ordained, designed, and appointed marriage. And so if we want to understand what marriage is and how it works and what we must do to have a healthy marriage, we need to consider the source. We need to go back to the Word of God. And if you haven't listened to the last episode I did uh, or the first episode I did on this topic, then I would I would invite you to go back and listen to the previous episode 
because there I dealt with the foundational beliefs about marriage. And I believe that one of the major region, reasons why so many Christians today struggle in marriage is because they don't have a biblical perspective on marriage. We don't realize just how much our thinking is influenced by the world and by the culture around us. And many young people today get married bringing presuppositions into the marriage that come not from the word of God, but from the culture. And that is one of the reasons why uh, so many marriages, so many Christian marriages struggle. And so if you're, you're interested in, in this subject, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the, the previous podcast episode. But what I want to do now is I want to address Christian husbands and Christian women specifically. I want to address Christian men, Christian husbands, and Christian wives about what the Word of God reveals concerning what Christian husbands are to do in order to contribute to a healthy marriage, and what are the things that Christian women are to do in order to contribute to a healthy Christian marriage. You know, as and, and notice I keep saying Christian marriage. Because once again, if you're not a follower of Christ, you, you're, you're probably not going to agree with a lot of the stuff that I'm saying. Because a lot of, of, lot of what I'm going to be saying about marriage here runs so contrary to human nature. And it runs so contrary to the popular wisdom in the culture today. But for Christian people... Our desire is not to follow the culture, but to follow the word of God. And, and, and in everything we do, we're supposed to be aiming to glorify God. First Corinthians 10 31 said, whether you eat, drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So that includes marriage. We are supposed to live out our marriages to the glory of God as well. And it is not the will of God. God is not glorified when his people have marriages where we just learn to put up with each other or we just learn to get along with each other or where our marriage is nothing more than a business arrangement. God desires his marriage. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. God desires the marriages of his people to be pictures of the relationship between Christ and his church. Our marriages should bring honor and glory to God. And so how, what are we to do to achieve that in our marriages? It's going to take effort on the part of the husband and on the part of the wife. There are certain things that the husband and the wife must do in order to have a healthy marriage. One thing for sure. And... Any married couple will agree with this. There are no good, strong, healthy marriages which got that way by accident or just happened to get that way without effort. A good marriage, a healthy and strong, God-honoring marriage comes with great effort on the part of the husband and the wife. And so in this particular episode, I want to first talk to the men. 
And then in the next episode, I want to talk specifically to Christian women, Christian wives. And so men, um, don't think I'm bashing you here because uh, I'm going to I'm going to deal with the women in the next episode. But for right now, brothers, it's your turn. Again, the principles that God lays out concerning marriage and concerning the responsibilities of Christian men and women is laid out specifically in Ephesians chapter five. And I want to read, I want to read, and then I'm going to take my, uh, what I have to say, I'm going to take from this passage. And so I want to read Ephesians chapter five, and I want to begin reading at um, verse 25, Ephesians 5, 25. This is the word of God. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. All right. There's a lot in that passage there, a whole lot in that passage. And I want to draw what I want, what I'm going to be saying to Christian husbands about what husbands are to do in order to contribute to a healthy, strong, God-honoring marriage. I want to take uh, right from that passage. But first of all, I want you to pay attention to the context that this um uh, instruction from Paul is coming in. The context there is he's talking about living the spirit filled life. He's talking about what it looks like for Christian people to be filled with the spirit. And you see that if you back up to Ephesians chapter five, verse 18, these instructions about marriage, they flow out of verse 18. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And so there is the command there. There is the imperative that we are not to be drunk with wine, but we are to be filled with the Spirit. Now, what does being filled with the Spirit uh, look like? He gives us a few uh, things here which describe what it what it should look like for us to be filled with the spirit verse 19 addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the lord with your heart giving thanks always for everything to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ these are things that the spirit-filled christian um should do but then here's one more thing that he mentions in verse 21 submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
one of the duties of the spirit-filled Christian, and again, a spirit-filled Christian is not some special Christian who has received some some special uh, second work of the spirit that other Christians have not received. All Christians are indwelt by the spirit and to be filled with the spirit means to allow the spirit to control you. To be filled with the spirit means that the same spirit which indwells all Christians, you are surrendering and surrendering and submitting to that spirit and allowing the spirit to control you. And so the person who is controlled by the spirit, one of the one of the duties of such a Christian is that these Christians are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, as we get to verse 22, when he starts to talk about marriage, he's giving us examples of the way of some of the ways in which Christians are to submit to one another. You're in Christ. You're filled with the spirit. Therefore, you as Christian people, you should be we should be submitting to one another. And he talks about how the wife is to, to submit to the husband. He's talking about how the husband, in a sense, should be submitting to his wife. And I'm going to talk about what that means in a minute. It talks about how children are to submit to their parents. And it talks about how slaves are to submit to their masters. And so here he's speaking to all Christians. And again, this comes within the context of the spirit-filled life, which involves submission. Now, husbands, so this verse 18 applies to the husband as well. The husband is, is to submit to his wife as well. But now, it's a different kind of submission, though. When the Bible tells the when the Bible says that the husband is to submit to his wife, he's not saying that the, the husband is to submit to his wife in the sense that she's exercising leadership within the marriage. Because it tells you in verse 22 that the husband is the head uh, in verse 22 and verse 23. It tells you that the husband is the head uh, of that marital relationship. And that and, and therefore he commands the wife to submit to the husband as the as the church submits to Christ. But the idea here is that the husband's re responsibility that he's going to outline in verse 25. For the for the husband to carry out that responsibility, he must submit himself to that responsibility. The husband must be willing to submit himself to the responsibility of loving his wife. You know, it's easy for a husband to neglect that responsibility. It's easy for a husband to to just withdraw and I don't want to be bothered. I shouldn't have to deal with all that. I had a hard day at work. Don't bother me about this, that and the other thing. No, a husband must submit himself. If you are a Christian man, if you have God's spirit indwelling you, then you are to let the spirit of God control you. And one of the ways in which the spirit of God is to control us as, as husbands is that we are to submit to the responsibility of loving our wives. What that means is there must be a commitment there to love your wife. 
There must be a commitment there to love your wife. And let me just say this also. I believe one of the reasons why marriages struggle today. Well, well, put it this way. It's it's no ifs, ands or buts about it. The reason that so many Christian marriages struggle today is because husbands are failing at the responsibility to love their wives and wives are failing at the responsibility to respect and submit to their husbands. That That's just all it is. We are forgetting what that means. We have lost sight of what that means for a husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church and for a woman to submit to her husband and respect her husband as the church submits to Christ. We have lost sight on what that means and we are failing to carry that out in our marriages. And it's because we're failing to carry those responsibilities out in our marriages that our marriages are struggling. And let me let me be clear again with regards to Christian husbands today. I believe that especially among men today, there are a lot of men today who just don't really fully understand what it means to love a woman. And let me just say this, I, I could say that because I was one of those people. I remember in the early years of my marriage, I didn't really fully understand what it meant to love a woman or to be a good husband, to love my wife. One of the things that we do as husbands is we compare ourselves in terms of, of being husbands because many of us were were not raised with a good model before us. A lot of us did not have dads in our home who modeled for us what it looks like to properly love a woman. And so we're trying to figure that out on our own. And one of the things that a lot of men do, and I know I was guilty of this, one of the things we do is we compare ourselves to husbands or to men who are worse than us. And so we'll say things like, well, to our wives, we'll say things like, you ought to be happy to have a husband like me. I don't beat you. I don't cheat on you. I'm not out there ripping and running the streets. I go to work every day. I'm paying the bills. You ought to be happy. And so what we do is we compare ourselves to men worse than us. We compare ourselves to the men who are out there cheating on their wives and beating their girlfriends up and the guys who... Uh, paying child support to 10 different women and, and they ripping and running the streets and they spending all of their money out in the streets and they're, and they're abusing their wives and stuff. We compare ourselves to those type of men and say, see, look, I'm not like that. So I'm a, that makes me a good husband. But I didn't realize how short I was coming how short I was falling in the responsibility of loving my wife until I stopped comparing myself with men worse than me and I started comparing myself with men who were actually good husbands who were actually loving their wives correctly. You know, I have 
quite a few pastor friends. I have a few, uh, quite a few Christian friends who are good, godly men. And I come and I've been blessed to be around some of these men in their homes and and around their families. And I begin to notice how some of these godly men, how they treat their wives. I began to notice some of the things that these men do to make their wives feel secure in their love for them. And I began to question myself and say, wow, do I do that? Do I do these type of things to, uh, in my marriage? Do I, is my wife secure? Does my wife feel secure in her um, uh, understanding of my love for her? Am I doing the things for my wife that this man does for his wife? And when I started comparing myself with godly men who, who, who were models of, of, of what it means to be a loving husband, rather than comparing myself with the bums out there who were, who were not loving their wives correctly, I began to realize I'm not such a, not the good husband that I thought I was. And so I had to go back to the drawing board and, and really learn over again, what does it really mean to love a wife? And I believe that this is one of the, the, the things, one of the weaknesses I see in a lot of Christian men today. We fail to understand how deep women's needs are, how deep their need for love is. And again, loving loving your wife is not just going out and bringing home the bacon. How many times do a man, when a woman expresses unhappiness, the man says, well, I go to work every day and I'm paying the bills and I'm making sure that, that this is getting taken care of and I'm making sure that that's getting taken care of. Yes, that's a good thing that you're taking care of your wife's physical needs. But a woman has more than physical needs. Women have deep emotional needs. Women have deep psychological needs. Women have spiritual needs. And as husbands, to love your wife means more than just meeting her material and physical needs. It means more than just meeting her sexual needs. It means also meeting her emotional needs as well. It means meeting the needs that she have to feel security in her husband's love for her. And so loving a wife properly and biblically is man's work. It's not something, it's not, it's not for boys. It's man's work. There must be a real commitment to godly manhood and to some spiritual toughness and some some spiritual masculinity and some real uh, uh, um, spiritual uh, 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 strength that's needed for a man to do what it takes to properly love his wife. And that's why Paul says that we must submit to this. We must submit to our wives in the sense that we have to commit ourselves to doing what it takes to love our lives, our wives correctly. So what does that look like? What does it look like for, for, for a husband 
to love his wife. Well, the first thing that Paul mentions here is unconditional love. Unconditional love. Notice it again in verse 25. He says, husbands, love your wives, how? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, first of all, how does Christ love his church? Christ loves his church with a love of the will. It's an unconditional love. Christ did not set his love upon his bride because she was so worthy of, of, of the love of Christ. Christ did not set his love upon his church because the church was so worthy of his love. As a matter of fact, as members of the church, none of us are worthy of Christ's love for us. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were actually his enemies. Christ's love for us, Christ's love for his church, for his bride, is of grace. It's unmerited. Christ set his love upon his elect, not because of anything he foresaw in us, but of his own free grace, of his own sovereign will and purpose. Christ chose to set his love upon us. And so what that means is his love for the church is unconditional. We're not earning Christ's love for us. We're not every day having to perform in order to make Christ continue to love us. As a, as a, as a follower of Christ, I do not have to every day earn Christ's love over and over again every day. Even when I sin and come up short, I am not in danger of Christ taking his love off from me. Scripture says that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. And so even at my lowest point spiritually, again, look at the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea is an, is an illustration of the love that God has for his people, for his church. And in the book of Hosea, Israel is portrayed as a, as a prostitute, as a whore who keeps running out and cheating on her husband. And yet the husband keeps coming back to his unfaithful wife and calling her back to him because his love for her never fails. And that's the same thing with Christ in his love for his bride, the church. His love for his church never fails. In the Old Testament, there's the, the, the word, the Hebrew word hesed, which is translated in the, in, the, <clears throat> in the English Bible by the term steadfast love or God's steadfast mercy. God's steadfast love, his hesed, is his unfailing love, his loyal love, his covenantal love for his people. Christ has an unfailing covenantal love for his bride, the church. And we do not therefore have to perform 
in order to win his love and, and or to perform in order to keep his love. Christ loves us for all eternity. And that's the kind of love that the husband is to have for his wife. When the scripture says, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That means my my love for my wife. Because she is my wife, that love is not conditional. My love for her is it's a love of the will. And, and to say that it's a love of the will does not mean that it doesn't involve affection. Because I choose to love my wife for the rest of our lives doesn't mean that affection is not a part of that, a part, a part of that. Yes, I am to love my wife with affection. But my, my love for my wife is not only based on what I feel for my wife. Because there are times when I don't feel I don't feel the same way all the time about my wife. There are times when I'm upset at my wife. There are times when I don't want to be bothered. My, my emotions fluctuate. They go up and down. But my love for my wife is not based on how I feel. I love her because she is my bride and I choose to love her no matter what. Even when she comes up short, even when she does things that might upset me, no matter what my wife does, nothing can separate her from my love for her. Because Christ calls upon me to love her that way, because that is how Christ loves us. That is how he loves his church. And so what else does that look like? What does that look like? We are to love our wives with an unconditional love. We are to love our wives with a self-sacrificing love. We are to love our wives with a self-sacrificing love. Again, look at the rest of that 25th verse. Husbands, love your wives, your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How did Christ give himself up for his bride by dying for her on the cross by dying for her upon the cross listen what bigger sacrifice can you give for somebody than to die for them and to die in the way that Christ died he suffered and died on the cross so that means there ought to be nothing that I am unwilling to sacrifice for my wife's good there's nothing that, that I can't sacrifice for her. If I am to love my wife as Christ loved the church and he loved his church by dying for her, then I should be willing to die for my wife. I should be willing to die for my wife. That means, you know, you know, when, 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 when my wife asks me to do things or or when it's needful for me to do things in order to make my wife happy or to or to uh, to minutes to serve to her. I mean, I mean, to serve her. I shouldn't say, man, I shouldn't have to do this or, you know, or uh, I'm, I'm not doing all that. I'm not you know, I'm not it, you know, it don't take all of that. I'm not about to do all of that for her. You know, she needs she need to get over it. 
Christ didn't say that about us. Christ didn't say, I'm not going to the cross for them. I'm not allowing sinners to whip me and punch and spit on me and mock and ridicule me and hang me to a cross. I'm not doing all of that for 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 these for them. No, he offered himself up. He laid down his life. He gave himself for us. Again, I love Paul's words in Galatians where he says, um, um, I am crucified with Christ. He says, it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. The Christ who loved me and or who loves me and gave himself for me. I might be putting a couple of different verses, the wrong verses together, but but there is that passage where where Paul says that it is Christ who loves me and gave himself for me. Are we giving ourselves for our wife? And again, I'm not just talking about going to work, making the money and paying a few bills. The idea here is of self-denial self-sacrificing, sacrificing what you feel, sacrificing your pride, sacrificing what you feel you deserve, sacrificing what you feel is owed to you in order to put your wife first. That's what Christ did. Read Philippians 2. In Philippians 2, it says that Christ thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he emptied himself. He humbled himself and took upon himself the form of a servant. In other words, he's saying in that passage that God didn't think his equality with God was something for him to hold on to. Christ didn't say, I'm not giving up my divine prerogatives and my divine privileges in order to come down here and suffer and die for them. No, it says he didn't hold on to his equality with God, but he emptied himself of it and took on himself the form of a servant and the form of a man in order to die the death of the cross on our behalf. And that's what we are as husbands are called to do for our wives. We are called to die for our wives. We are to sacrifice ourselves for our wives. That's what it looks like for a Christian husband to love his wife. So what else does it look like? What else does this love that a man is to show for his wife, what else does it look like? It's a nurturing and a cherishing love. It's a nurturing and a cherishing love. Again, look at verse 26 and 27 of Ephesians chapter 5. It says this, that he might, talking about Christ and his love for the church and him giving himself up for his church, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Notice that Christ laid down his life for his church in order that he might nurture his church. In order that he might promote her growth and well-being. In other words, he, he sacrificed himself in order that his bride might be beautiful. Notice that he says that 
he, he laid down his life for the church in order to sanctify her and cleanse her and wash her with the water of the word so that he would present her to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle. In other words, his love is all about pursuing her good. Christ dies for his bride in order to make her beautiful. And notice the good that, that Christ is sacrificing for on the part of his bride, first of all, is her spiritual good. He wants to sanctify his bride. He wants to cleanse her and wash her with the water of the word so that she might be a, a, a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or blemish, but that she might be holy. In other words, as husbands, we should want the best for our wives. And what is best for our wives is that our wives be holy and godly. And that means that we are to do whatever it takes, first of all, for our wives' spiritual good. Husbands are to be willing to lead their wives spiritually. You know, oftentimes, husbands can get frustrated because their wives are bad at this or the wife is not doing that or the wife has this flaw or the wife has this imperfection or the wife has this sin or the wife is not this or the wife is not that. But here Paul is saying to the husband, it's your job to seek your wife's spiritual good. Do you pray for your wife? Husband, how much time do you spend praying for your wife? Husband, how much time do you spend praying with your wife? Husband, how much time do you spend going through the word with your wife? Having, having a time in the word with your wife? Husband, do you speak the word to your wife? Husband, do you encourage your wife in the things of God? What are you doing to build your wife up in the things of God? If your wife have certain issues and certain faults and, and those faults come from her sin. Your wife is a sinner, just like you're a sinner. And the way for your wife to improve and become better is for her to grow in her relationship with God. Husbands, what are you doing to help your wife grow in God? And so the love that the husband has for his wife, it's a nurturing love and it's a cherishing love. Look at verse 28. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. You see that? Husbands are to nurture their wives. Husbands are to cherish their wives. And that word cherish, it means to protect and care for. The idea, look, no man uh, uh, is cruel and, and, and neglects his own body. Every man nurtures and cherishes his own body. We do what, what our body needs to be comfortable, to be healthy, to be at its best. We're gentle with ourselves. 
We're patient with ourselves. And it's the same thing. He says, you are to love your wife like she's your own body. You are to nurture and cherish your wife. A, a man, a Christian husband is to be committed to caring for his wife. And, and like I said before, this does not just mean her physical needs. Women have much deeper needs than just to, to eat and sleep and have clothes to put on. I want you to notice what Peter says in 1 Peter 3 and 7. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, it says this. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Notice what that verse says. Peter says, husbands, you are to live with your wives in an understanding way. In other words, you are to understand your wife. You are to understand and know your wife. And, and, and this is the thing I think that so many of us as men, as husbands struggle with. A lot of times we as men fail to take the time to try and understand our wives. When, when our wives are, are upset and they're in a bad mood and they're acting funny, a lot of guys will just write it off and say, oh, she's just in a bad mood today or, oh, oh it's that time of the month again or, oh, my wife is bipolar. She's, she's just acting crazy for no reason. No. Oftentimes when a woman is upset and acting funny, oftentimes there's a deeper reason. There's a deeper reason. A woman may not always tell you why she's upset. And, and here's another thing that I had to learn too. A woman may not always be able to articulate why she's upset. I remember a lot of times getting into arguments with my wife and making things worse. Because my wife was hurt or upset about something and I'm trying to rationalize and I'm and I'm coming at her with all of this logic and I'm trying to be rational and logic about stuff. And really, she she doesn't really understand what she's feeling. And so she, some of the things she say may not make a lot of sense to me. And so I try to turn it around and make her look stupid. And now all that does is make her feel even worse. And now all it does is make her feel like, well, I can't even talk to you because you're trying to make me look stupid. Oftentimes, we as men, we have to understand our wives and understand what's beneath the surface, what's causing this. And that means we have to pay attention to our wives. We have to listen to them. And I believe that that's what Peter is talking about here when he says, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Don't just write your wife off and say, oh, you bipolar. Don't just write your wife off and say, oh, you just uh, you just going through something. We need to listen to our wives. And, and I tell you, I've been married to my wife this year. It'll be 30 years of marriage for me. And there's so much that I'm learning about women that 
I didn't realize I didn't know, even after 30 years. Men and women are different. Men and women are men and women are different. And oftentimes we expect our wives to think the way that we think. I remember my wife and me, we were we were having a bad time in our marriage some years ago. And I remember a lot of it had to do with my there was a situation that was causing my wife a lot of fear and anxiety and stress. And I, I was trying, again, as a man, what men do, we, we try to fix things. We want to fix things. And so I kept telling my wife, well, you need to stop letting this bother you and you need to do this. And you need to handle it this way. And you need to do this. And you need to stop doing that and you need to do this. And it wasn't working. It wasn't nothing that I told my wife was working. And so I ended up getting frustrated at my wife because she's not listening to me. And my wife was hurt because she felt I wasn't really listening to her and I wasn't really feeling her pain. And so we're both just kind of upset at each other. And what I what I had to realize was that. All the time. What our wife need from us is not for us to just fix them. A lot of times a woman just needs us to be that shoulder that she can lean on. Sometimes that wife just needs to know that we're in her corner. Sometimes your wife just needs to know that you got her back. Sometimes your wife just needs to know that you that she is the priority and that and that you care about what she's feeling and what she's going through. And so it's not always necessary for me to fix my wife. Sometimes I just need to show her that I'm there for you and I've got your back and I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Sometimes I just need to be that shoulder for her to cry on. Again, and see, men, we don't understand that because that's not how we're wired. Men, we don't we, we don't necessarily need that. We respond to conflict a different way. But we have to realize that our wives are not wired the way we're wired. And so when my wife is hurt about something or when my wife is stressed about something, it's not my place to just force her or tell her how she needs to look at it the way I look at it. She's not going to look at it the way that I look at it because she's not a man. Women are different. They, women are different. You know, I remember um, many years ago, I was listening to a, a husband and a wife couple doing a presentation on men and women on Focus on the Family. And, and they were talking about the differences between men and women. And in that talk, they said, you know, if you could compare men and women to food, men are are like uh, waffles and women are like spaghetti. Now, waffles, if you notice, uh, waffles, they have those like tic-tac-toe marks on the on the surface. And the presenters were saying that's how men are. 
with the tic-tac-toe, you got these separate boxes. And that's the way men are. Men have different compartments. Men are good at compartmentalizing. When a man is at work, he's focused on his work. When a man get off of work and he comes home to relax and chill, he's at home to relax and chill. He's not thinking about work anymore. But also when the husband is in relax and chill mode, he don't want to hear about bad news. He don't want to hear about problems. He don't want to talk about certain things. I just want to sit here and relax and watch the game. You know, a man doesn't let his problems spill over into every area of his life. A man's he 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 has his he got his business stuff in this box. He's got his relax and chill stuff in this box. He got his uh, okay, dealing with the stressful stuff in that box, you know, he's his play, work and play. He keeps them separate. But women, they said a woman is like spaghetti and spaghetti. What you have, you have these spaghetti noodles that are all entangled and intertwined and wrapped up together. And that's the way a woman is. Women don't compartmentalize things the way men do. Women, they, they're, they have their, their emotions are all wrapped up and tangled. They, they got, they're wrapped up in, in stuff dealing with the kids, wrapped up in, in things concerning financial troubles, uh, relationship stuff, uh, stuff that dealing with within the family, uh, concern uh, that uh, sickness in their body that they're dealing with, and all of that stuff. They're, they're dealing with at once and all of it is affecting them. And that's why the woman want to talk about stuff at a time when the man feel like, well, now it's not the time to talk about this. And so men can have a tendency to try to tune a woman out. Because they in their mind, they feel like, look, you just stressing and stuff. You need to just chill out and relax. And again, I had to learn. That. My wife is different from me. And so that means that if my wife want to talk about a sickness that she's having in her body and that she's dealing with, or she want to talk to me about some concerns she have for a family member or something at a time, it, no matter what time of the day it is, that's part of what it means to die and lay down your life for your wife. That means even if I have had a long day on the job, if my wife needs to talk about something, I'm going to listen to her. And listen, when we listen to our wives, when our wives are talking to us about stuff that's important to them, we need to be all the way present. Men have a tendency, men, we can have a tendency of, of when we're, when we're not in the mood to talk, we can get straight to the point and be men of very few words. You know, you, you ask a man, how did your date go? His answer is what? It was all right. Oh, how did your, how did your thing go today? It's all right. And that's that's it. Whereas the woman, you ask her, how did her day go? She's going to you might as well sit down and and take a load off and prepare because she's going to give you the whole spiel. And sometimes as men, we don't want to be bothered with that. Some of the things that that oh, that the wife is concerned about and some of the things that's heavy on her heart and some of the things that's causing her 
uh, a lot of concern that she wants to talk about. A lot of times men, we feel it's silly. And sometimes we want to just kind of brush her off and say, look, look, it's no big deal. Look, let's just, I don't even want to be bothered with that. But, you know, I heard something that another pastor was saying recently, and he was talking about how oftentimes the reason why the woman is telling you all of this stuff is she's sharing herself with you. Yeah, maybe it's taken her a long time to get to the point. And she's talking about all of this stuff that you don't want to hear about. But that's her way of sharing herself with you. She's sharing of herself with you. And so rather than trying to rush our wives to get to the point, rather than acting like we don't really want to be bothered with this and don't want to hear it, what we should do is engage our wives and say, say things like, and what happened next? Okay, and, and, and so when you told her that, what did she say? You know, it's the little things like that. Oftentimes, that woman just wants the attention from her husband. That woman wants to know that she is the priority in your life. She wants to know that you adore her. She wants to know that she matters and she needs to feel it. She needs to know that. And that's the reason why sometimes wives act in ways that we as men don't understand. Maybe what she's doing is trying to say, I don't feel that I matter to you anymore. I don't feel like I'm the priority in your life. And so these are the things that we must do. This is what it means when Peter says uh, that we are to live with our wives with understanding in an understanding way, showing honor to her, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, when Peter says that the woman is the weaker vessel, it doesn't mean that women are morally inferior or that they're spiritually inferior or that they're mentally inferior. That's not what that means. But in essence, I think what Peter means is that women are fragile. They need to be handled with care. I think that's what he means there when it says that the woman is the weaker vessel. That woman needs to be handled with gentleness. She needs to be handled with care. Notice what Paul said in Colossians 3.19. And this here is a similar passage here where he, he's talking again about the role of uh, the marriage and, and, and the family codes. In Colossians 3.19, it says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Why would Paul put that in there? He said, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. That goes back to what Peter is saying. Give honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. We are to handle our wives with care, with gentleness. We are never to be harsh to them. Well, brothers and sisters, my time is almost up. Um, there's so much more that can be said on this, but, uh, I will be returning back to this topic next time to conclude this matter and talk about the responsibilities of the wife to the husband. 
Until the next episode, God bless you, my brothers and sisters. Have a great and godly week. You have been listening to the Truth and Godliness podcast with Brian Evans. To send us a message, drop us an email at bevans at 5.7.org. That's the B Evans at the number five, the word point spelled out, the number seven dot org.